You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 148 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo, and I'm here with Gina Militia. How are you, Gina? I'm great, Val. How are you going? I'm good. What's happening in Gina world? Oh, it's happening in my world. I uh, <laughs> I went to a 21st on the weekend, no. Val. Oh, my God. No, but, uh, really? It was interesting. Um, uh, there was a – they hired a photographer there to get the shots of the party and there was oh. a moment in the speeches where like I was watching it, it was a really uh, heartfelt moment that was happening and I'm standing there and I look at the photographer and he's just like chimping the back of his camera and then I see the <laughs> the, the mother and father and the, the son and the daughter all hugging and crying over this Aww. beautiful moment and I'm sitting there going to the photographer, shoot, <laughs> shoot. Yes. <laughs> get it. Get the shot. And, uh, you know, oh. and then I took him aside later and I said, look, you know, when you're doing something like it's not don't worry about who's giving the speech, worry about who the speech is about. So very mm. frustrating for me as a – because I just wanted – like I, I wished I had a camera because I'd be just yes. like the instinct in me was to be to, to shoot that. But uh, you know, oh. Uh, yes. Wow. Uh, so yeah, you yeah. went to a 21st. How bizarre. I think the last 21st I went to was your daughter's. Yes. So, um, yeah, th- th- this is a, uh, a a girl that I've known my whole her whole life, so it was a special mm. uh, family 21st. Yeah, but my daughter's 21st. <laughs> it's a big yes. night. Yes. <laughs> It's still talked about, yes. So, oh my my god, Uh, enough said. Um, And and then, uh, Valerie, the uh, the inner artist I see in you, it continues on. Some more uh, painting happening over the weekend. Um, Yes, that's right. mm. I'm exploring all different types of paints now. I went, uh, I bought uh, house paints, and I'm painting with house paints. Yes, painting what? The outside of the house? No, no, no. Uh, canvases with house with, paint with so yes. acrylics using yeah. house paint yeah thought I'd try something different because it's thicker and I wanted to achieve a thicker you kind of directed look that did you make that up by yourself yeah yeah uh, how do you find can- with the drying time and stuff like that how does that work okay actually not too bad um uh, so what I've got, I generally have three canvases going at once. So I've got three yeah, different tables. Yeah. And um, so while I'm waiting for something to dry, I'm working on the other one. But Wait, also, hang on. Is there another mm-hmm. level I don't know about in your house? Was there a basement? Did I not see that when I came around? There's another <laughs> level, isn't there? It, well, it's on the bottom floor. It's the bit. It's the huge area that is leads out to the pool. 
Oh, do you remember that? You that? never use. <laughs> yes, that's right. So oh, fair enough. It's better it's, use, I guess. Yes, that's right. So I think um, I think the uh, the you know having three going at once is good because then I can wait while well, once something's um, drying, I can get started on the other one, and it's all kind of I've now got feel like I've got a rhythm because I was getting very frustrated before because I had to wait yeah. for so long before I could apply another layer, and now what I've done is I've installed the hairdryer downstairs. Mm-hmm. So I use the hairdryer to speed up the drying process as well. But, so but didn't you just pile it on when you were working with the other acrylics, not normal artist acrylics? What do you, you mean? You just pile it on? Have you worked with like non-house paint acrylics? Yes, yes, of course. And were you waiting for those to dry between Yes, because I wanted layers because if you don't oh, wait you for want it to dry, it'll, you... mi- it'll mix up. Oh, so you want chunks. You want it to be textural as well is that what you're going for i see okay i get it i get it Mm. awesome yeah so that's been and then i've i've just bought some um pouring paints but i haven't broken them out yet i shall soon the kind where you pour it and you you, well they're 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 more liquid of course and you swirl them around on the canvas so they're a bit more unpredictable Bit of a Jackson Pollock sort of coming soon. Kind of, I think exposed? they were more they were more like house paints, but yeah. but but maybe I should do a Jackson Pollock. I did specifically go to Canberra so that I could see blue poles, yeah. um, and that was that was really fun. And yeah. I snuck. You know how you're not allowed to take photos in art galleries and stuff like that. Well, oh, I think I, that's the flash that they're worried about. But so, did you get an iPhone? You get yes. a selfie with so the I blue s- poles. Not a selfie. <laughs> <laughs> Bit obvious. I snuck on in though, while yeah. the security guard wasn't watching, and he uh, he did tell someone else off. So I'm I felt quite happy that I snuck one in. Tricky is to poles. turn your, the sound of your phone off because there's nothing worse there's than being too. in one of those, and you just hear that <laughs> the sound of the. <laughs> yes. Mm, yes. So, uh, yeah, it's been fun. And, um, oh, one of my rope art pieces has been featured in on um, a, a styling. It's called Advantage Styling and it's been featured on their Instagram because we're working on a collaboration together. So oh, it's I been really it's like, fun. It's all going off soon. <laughs> the show, there'll be a show by the end of the year. You'll probably have a solo show. And- <laughs> the uh, National Gallery. No, actually, the Guggenheim. At the, the Guggenheim. <laughs> yeah, I've got my solo show at the Guggenheim and then probably the Louvre would be next or the Dorsey. Yeah, I don't know right. if they let you have solo shows there and uh, the Academia. Oh, my God. <laughs> next to the Statue of David is Valerie's Macrame piece. That would be amazing. And then if we're wealthy enough, we can all, like, you hire out the, that, that particular room. You can have dinners yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. How cool amazing. would that be? That would be awesome. <laughs> yes, that would be fun. That would be fun to, yeah, exhibit at the, I call it the Googie Egg. At the yeah, Googie Egg. Uh, yeah, I think we went together there. Oh, yeah, we did too. Mm. And then we went. To a shop or something. 
would have been gallery, then a bar somewhere. Or yes, there, was, there was a lot of food likely. involved. We just ate our way across New York, basically. Yes, that's and right. very fine food it is. Mm-mm, very nice food, yes. But anyway, this particular episode is all about how to create more natural-looking portraits, which, of course, is the thing these days. People mm-hmm. want to create more natural-looking portraits. But before we get on to the topic, we have a couple of shout-outs. Yep. And the first is to Jerry Murphy. Hello, Jerry. Now, why are we shouting out Jerry? So Jerry uh, shared this shot in the uh, Facebook group and I absolutely loved it. So I've got a lot of um, feedback from the Crank It Up Challenge. Hi, ISO. I think everyone's mm. really getting into it and I think it's like once you find out what your camera is capable of, you're oh, just no. like, oh, my God, go to town. It's like you with your paints. Oh, no. It's like you can't, can't oh, no. stop. So, yeah. No, 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 no. I've been going nuts with high ISO ever since that episode as well because my uh, my cat Rex is often particularly cute at night and because – it's not that bright in my place, particularly at night. Uh, yeah. And and you really want to capture his particular poses. I and you don't want to have, um, you know, the dark eyes. You call yeah. it snake eyes. I don't like that yeah. reference, but anyway. Um, yeah. uh, I'm now cranking it up to like twenty five or twenty eight thousand ISO, ISO is that or something on your mirrorless like that. Or is that on your um the five D? Which one are you using? That's the, the mirrorless little one. Yes. The little one, the mirrorless, yeah. Mm. To catch them a little Rexy. And now yeah. I'm getting all the the finally getting the cute shots of Rexy at night. Yeah, that's awesome. And you could do it in the daytime as well. Maybe yes. get some uh, some movement shots. Yeah. So um Jerry has done just that and mm. uh, she got a shot which like Here's the thing, Val, that we see so many images online every day, right? They're out Mm. there and every now and then, like, you know, you'll see one and it stops you and this Mm. is an example of that because it's like Mm. the subject, the colour, the light, everything about it is something that it's like it wasn't something that I've seen uh, a lot of and so it stopped me and I wanted to share it, how beautiful it was and it's so unexpected. It's the interior of a penitentiary which if shot in a certain way, you could maybe make it look very cold and unappealing, but Jerry's managed to capture it in a way that is really quite beautiful and the mm. light is lovely, um, the composition is lovely, and she's cranked it up. She shot at an ISO of 3200 and she tweaked the luminance uh, up to about 70 in Lightroom. Mm. And so, Jerry, just a, a little tip there, you might want to go back in Lightroom and then just uh, not bring the luminance down a little bit and play with the colour noise instead and uh, perhaps leave some of that grain in. And uh, just as an afterthought, when you're doing a shot like this, maybe also shoot, she shot this vertically, maybe also shoot horizontally because it it, uh, fills the frame for social media a lot better. And we'll put the link, well, not the link, we'll feature the image in the show notes, which you can find at GinaMilitia.com. That's M-I-L-I-C-I-A. And Gina is referring to hashtag Gina Challenge, where every week oh, we have a different topic and you can interpret that topic however you like. And this particular one was, uh, the topic was crank it up, as in crank up the ISO. So it is a great image and you can find that in the show notes. Now, we also have a MacGyver hack from Mm -hmm. Dan Bruno, don't we? 
Yeah, so Dan was uh, trying to uh, practicing his lighting. So he had uh, like a, a doll out, and he had some um, uh, fairy lights in the background, and he was practicing balancing light. And what he found was he had an umbrella with a speed light, but what he noticed was that the power of the speed light was it was too powerful with just the umbrella. So what he did is he used a, another umbrella, and he's bounced the light into one and then it bounces back through another Ooh. umbrella. So basically he's just created a double diffusion, which is his way of uh, MacGyvering a situation, which is what you need to do as a photographer because often you're thinking on your feet, you don't, um, you might be on, on location somewhere, you don't have everything that you want. You've got to work out ways how to um, – reduce power often when you're working with speed lights and low light situations. One more hack for you, Dan, as well, which uh, one of my assistants, uh, Marte, taught me was that you um, can reduce the power of flash by just using strips of gaffer tape across the face of the flash in a grid. So if you've got a speed light Mm. and you've cranked it all the way down as low as it will go and it's still too powerful, what you do is get some gaffer tape and uh, cut it off into little strips and make like a grid spot across the face of the flash and that will cut back the power so you can cut it back by half again if you just wanted a tiny little it's not even a dook at that level it's like a (laughs) ding of light (laughs) okay so So that's a good little hack that is a great hack and of Mm. course you can connect with other people in the podcast community as well as connect with us in the facebook group it's free to join just search for so you want to be a photographer podcast community in facebook and request to join we'd love to have you it's a great group of people uh who all share the same passion in photography now we also have a shout out to jess who has kindly left us a review on itunes a five-star review which she is called down-to-earth advice with a duke of fun. (laughs) Now Jess says, Gina and Valerie discuss relevant topics in photography in an engaging, hilarious manner that makes me laugh out loud at my desk at work. I think in terms of pings and dukes of colour now and have begun naming my camera bodies to keep up the great work. That's great stuff, Jess. That's how it is. Name all your equipment, different (laughs) names and change the conversation. It's not technical. It's pings and dukes. That's how you do it. Thank you. That's awesome. (laughs) Thank you so much, Jess. And if anyone else has 30 seconds to leave us a review or rating on iTunes, we'd really be grateful because it certainly helps us in the rankings. Now, let's move on to this week's topic, why, uh, sorry, how to create more natural-looking portraits. This Mm. is a really good topic, Gina, because it's certainly a bit of a trend at the moment, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Is that what you're seeing as well, very much so? I've seen very much so. So you see you have a look on uh, TV and film. It's all a very natural style. Like, you know, you see a lot more. I mean, this trend has been going on for a while, but you see the the, uh, cameras are off tripod. It's a much looser style. You see 
see a lot of stuff in front of the lens where it looks like you're almost um, peering through stuff to get to the people. So it feels like television and film feels a lot more voyeuristic, like you're actually there in the scene. They're putting you in the scene more. It's 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 not looking as uh, a set up and staged. And when you see commercials now, it, it very much is that fly on the wall amateur kind of feel to a lot of commercials so that, again, uh, people don't want to be sold to. You also see it in YouTube and advertising where it's it's got a really uh, natural-looking vibe. So back in the day when photography was first around, there was this like very stiff and formal way to, particularly with portraits, uh, pose everyone and make it look like they were posed. It was like that special occasion sort of look. But but nowadays, like we're really leaning towards a much more sort of fly on the wall mm. feel and a candid look. Now, here's the thing. A lot of people think, well, a great candid shot will shoot candid, right? Mm. But unfortunately, it's not how it, your success rate when you just go, all right, I'm just going to shoot this candid, we'll just get whatever happens, is much lower than if you set that up and try and get that candid look by position. Because like whenever you go for candid, someone's always in your way. Someone's always like, you know, um, blinking or their head's in the wrong way. So there is a real technique in getting that candid life look to a shot that just looks like just you just happen to walk by at the right time and capture this life in the shot, but mm. you've carefully staged it and given everything, everyone in the shot something to do and positioned it so the composition flows beautifully so that it has that life. Yeah, absolutely. So a few ways to do this, Val. So basically uh, I'm talking about uh, pose. We've talked a lot about posing um over the course of the podcast and we will continue yes. to talk about posing <laughs> but I just want to touch on uh, the most important things about making your image look natural. The key yep. ingredient, the secret source to a good shot is to bring energy into that yeah. shot and that's often what's missing like you can have everything perfectly lit perfectly posed everyone in the shot looks beautiful but it's flat it's there's no energy and it's hard mm. to describe because it's like that X factor, but it's bringing life in the shot. So the- I think also part of the reason for that, I do believe sometimes, is that sometimes photographers who are doing portraits can look to magazines for inspiration and look at the fashion pages, but fashion pages are totally different yes. to the kind of shots that you need to capture in a portrait of somebody. Fashion pages, there is often, sometimes there's energy, but often there's a real lack of energy. Because, it's a disconnect, Belle. You're right. Yeah, because you actually need the model to just be a clothes hanger in a sense. Aloof. And then yeah. unless they happen to be a celebrity themselves, then you actually want them to not be the feature of the shot. You want mm. the clothes to really stand out. So sometimes mm. I think photographers try, uh, you know, look to those sorts of shots, the fashion pages, for inspiration. But, in fact, that's probably the wrong place to look for inspiration. 
Yeah, so you can get a sense of uh, style and feel, but like if you want, and it, like perfectly fine if you want to shoot fashion, that disconnect, oh, yes, that of sort course. of that 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 barrier is in really important. So if you get, knock yourself out, but if you want to capture portraits with that um, with life in them and more natural, then you want to have that energy. And so the one point I want to share today is the to bring to bring that energy or life into the shot the key way to do that is you need to use all your tools all the um, expertise and work hard as a photographer to distract the person that you're photographing and keep them in this moment with you in this one moment because the minute they're in front of the set what usually happens is they're either uh, what thinking about a past shoot that they've done where they've looked they've had bad hair, their noses look big, they've looked fat, their skin looks oily, whatever has happened and they've had a bad experience. So they're reflecting on that as they're looking into the camera or Mm. anxiety, they're projecting forward as they're looking into the camera and they're they're thinking about um, what is going to happen when you take that shot, how they're going to look, how they're going to be perceived. And they've often gone, you know, through, you know, four months ahead when the photo comes out that like, it's going to look so bad, their hair's going to look so bad, not helping the situation at all, Val. So like, you know, what I try and tell people when I'm, I've got them in front of the camera, I'm like, for this next 10 minutes that we're working together, you just need to be here in this room with me. I don't want you to Mm. think about the past or the future. I just want you to be here. Then I've got a whole host of other techniques that I use to distract them depending on the level of anxiety or, Mm. you know, because some people are great. Some people can like often men I find the Mm. easiest can just look into a lens and there isn't a thought in their head. Now, that's not saying mm. that, that, that men don't go around and think. It's just <laughs> like it's just it's just really different. And some like some people will just look into a camera and there isn't a thought. They just be. And that's what you want. That's your perfect portrait person. But there are other people that look into a lens and just anxiety takes over and they're 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 stressing about everything and that's written all over their face so you don't want to capture the stress you want to try and um, capture their beauty and their who they are by bringing the energy into the shot and so this is I think the the bit that a lot of photographers uh, leave or it's an afterthought or they don't bother or a lot Mm. of photographers believe that this is the responsibility of the model so I often hear photographers saying nah I didn't didn't get a good shot, model wasn't very good, model didn't bring it, model's <laughs> fault, model's <laughs> fault. But it's not, you know. It's I think um, it's a it's a it's a two way street. You got to work with the model together and uh, bring that energy out. And it can be like pulling teeth sometimes. It can be hard work, and sometimes it can be just like a lovely conversation and a real joy. But you need to do that work. So that's the first thing. Get get the pose and the energy uh, right in the shot. Yeah, absolutely. Great, great advice. Okay, the next one is uh, 
composition and styling. Now, a lot of people think that uh, that life shot to capture that energy is a matter of being in the right place at the right time. And like you're going to get several shots in your lifetime where you just happen to turn the corner and the light is amazing and someone walks into your frame and the backdrop is perfect, bang. You will, you will get those shots in your lifetime. You won't get those shots consistently and it's hard to um, it's hard to bank on that sort of stuff, you know, and it's hard to go back to the client and go, uh, I went around the corner and <laughs> there was nothing there. Yes. <laughs> so the trick to creating great shots is to pre-visualize, have an idea in your mind and then create the shot that you want. So don't mm. be afraid to move people around, to bring people into the frame, to add that life. So like, you know, if I'm shooting uh, a couple in a restaurant as part of an ad campaign, all right, I've got the couple in the restaurant, I've got the interior of the restaurant, everything's looking good, but then I'll look and I'll think it doesn't have life. There's not, I don't feel like I'm in the frame, what's missing? And I might go ahead and then put some stuff uh, right in front of the lens so that I'm shooting through that to give that that sense of that that voyeur, like I'm peering through. I'm there in the scene, all right? Mm. So something not quite right in the frame that gives it a bit of um, uh, edge, uh, you, you know, it makes it feel like you've happened to glance because like if you are uh, in the room where you are now, Val, mm. you're probably looking at the screen now, right? Yes. So if you turn to your left, right, uh, left, yes. looking out the window, right? Yes. So look at the screen. Yes. Turn to your left really quickly and then turn okay. back to the screen. Okay. All right. So that little <laughs> exercise, you notice as you do it, you're not like that split second, there'll be stuff that's in focus, right, in the frame, right. like it might be the stuff that's uh, very close to you, but then there's stuff that's out of focus that your eyes can't quite uh, catch and uh, there's bits of the area that might be bright in the frame, Val, mm-hmm. uh, this, they remain bright and there might be like part oh, – because I'm looking out at the sky and it, it is starting to get late, but I see there's blown out areas. That's the yeah. reality, okay? So – Think about that when you're composing the shot, and that's I see that as an issue um, in in stuff looking uh, too realistic and too perfect. It's taking away that natural look in an image. So when you right. see that the sky is perfectly exposed, every single detail yes. in every single cloud every single detail in all the shadows, when you glance at something really quickly, that's not what our eye sees. And so I think in doing that, I think this trend of over opening up shadows, you know, everything is sharp all the way through is kind of killing that, that X factor in photography. It's making it too clinical. Yeah. Right. I see what you're saying. All right, so so think about that. So so we're creating a moment, and we're not afraid to move people around, bring people into the frame. So back to the restaurant, uh, the empty restaurant in the back doesn't feel alive to me. So I'll, I'll usually have someone walk through the frame very quickly, so that I've got mm. a bit of life going on in the frame. So I always like ask myself the question: Does it feel like I'm there when I'm looking at the shot? So they might do yep. a test. I want to feel like I'm there, and. Yes. Uh, it, 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 what does the shot feel like? Have I captured the feel or is it all 
because um, it's very easy as you get involved in the shot and you're adding light and you're, oh, like this area is a bit dark, let's put a bit of fill there. Eventually everything is so perfectly lit that it starts Mm. to look clinical. So that's the thing that we want to uh, be careful about. Uh, Val. So, all yeah. right. The next thing to uh, look at is the the actual look of the shot, and and this is about mm. exposure and uh, lens choice and how we position ourselves. So, this is where I think it's really important to be shooting manual mode rather than auto, because auto is mm. always going to give you uh, the exact. Uh, uh, average look for any scene so if you were pointing the camera we're back at a restaurant so we're we're shooting a couple in a restaurant and there might be a bay of windows um where there's a view some kind of a view and there might be some lights inside okay you get that sort of it's quite quite a nice restaurant and um they serve like a very nice um, seafood platter there and uh, they've got a nice uh, uh, sort of uh, range of chocolate sort of desserts, right? Awesome. Just, Love okay. a seafood platter. I think I seafood platters if, are the best thing. Uh, <laughs> if, if I was to um, if I was to shoot this uh, in a um, – on autoval, right, yeah. what would happen is that uh, – like that the camera would survey the scene, take a reading of the whole scene and probably give me something that was like sharp on the people, uh, sharp all the way through. So like we, we get to see everything and it would it, it would expose the scene in such a way that the uh, the background, the, the view through the windows was also correctly exposed. It might pop in enough flash to sort of flatten the whole image out and you get this um, – you get everything right. and you get everything looking perfect. But that's like, again, if I was to glance past this scene as I was walking past, I wouldn't pick up on the couple, the cutlery, the background, the middle mm. ground and the scene. I would yes. only get – do you know what I mean? Yes, absolutely. It's also so, it's just too much. It's too it, much. So I keep it fights using- with each other. I keep using the uh, gelati shop um, analogy where you go into the gelati shop, there's 50 flavours to choose from and people often can't decide. They walk away, you know, because it's too much. It's overwhelming and it's like it's actually it's <laughs> the dilemma with uh, cable TV, Val, Netflix and Stan. Yes. I will get on and I'll go, I don't know if I want to, is this any, there's too much. I have too much choice and I can't make a decision. It's overwhelming. So mm-hmm. the the benefit of shooting in manual mode is you get to uh, make that decision for the viewer as to who the hero of the shot is. And is yes. in this instance, it's the couple. So they're going to be in focus. And then to really make them the hero of the shot, we're going to throw the background out of focus. The background, the view that we're seeing, whilst it is quite lovely, if we expose that correctly and we bring in all the saturation, that's going to be the hero of the shot. So we let that blow out. It's okay to blow it out because I, I, I'm constantly seeing posts shared where it's like, oh, but I lost the detail in the in the background. My my whites have blown out. My high, my sky's blown out. Don't worry about it. Just get it to look good. You know. Yeah. What does the shot feel like? The other yes. thing, Val, 
is you can yeah. work lens choice uh, uh-huh. to change the look and feel of a shot. So if you wanted to create a feeling of space and expansion yeah. or isolation, you could choose a wide shot that gives you that feeling. But if you want So like to if you create- were shooting, say, for an interiors magazine, you might want to do that. So you want to give that sense of space, okay? Mm. So you could use that and then you could add the life back into the shot. So you've given this sense of space like, wow, what a huge room. And then you're going to add the life natural elements back into the shot just by having someone walking through the frame or you might have uh, a, a room set where you don't want to have someone in the frame but there might be uh, beautiful curtains and a, and a lovely view out the window. You add the light life by maybe uh, simulating a breeze coming through the window so you might get the curtains to just kick up like the, the wind has picked them up. That's how you add that life and that unexpected uh, sort of element into the frame. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So um, if you want to create an intimate look to the shot, shoot with a long lens because what the long lens does is it brings uh, it, it, it uh, brings the background closer to the image. So it gives a sense of uh, – uh, it, it gives the, the whole shot a more intimate feel. It brings everything closer. So whereas shooting wide is going to make the uh, background feel like it's – further away shooting long compresses the background and brings it closer to us so it 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 does give the feeling of like we're in there with the couple we're right up close with them you'll get a sense of the background but it feels more intimate so you're going to add and then if you put something in the foreground you're going to give that that sort of um really natural look to the shot as in as we've walked past it, it looks quite lovely all right, so it's not this mm-hmm. uh, over-contrived, everything in the shot looks perfect because that's not what it's like in real life. Also, <laughs> shooting with a longer lens is going to give you the ability to throw the background out of focus a lot better. Yes. So you'll get a better depth of field. Again, the couple become the hero of the shot. Yes, got it. All Makes right. sense. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, Finally, I want to focus on lighting, Val, and I think this is something that's really, really important when it comes to how uh, natural your portraits are going to look. Now, the issue that um, a lot of people have when they're starting out with using fill lighting or, mm. or working out the exposure for a shot is actually over lighting an image, overdoing it. So um, you often see that like that they'll use uh, fill flash and the wrong modifier or the wrong color of flash is going to create Mm. a disconnect. So you're going to get this uh, shot that's uh, too bright compared to the background or the light comes from the wrong direction as well, okay? Mm. Or there's not enough shape to the light, right? So I see – Shape. What do you mean by shape? So when you pose a portrait – now, mm-hmm. when you set up a portrait um, and we're just starting out, like often uh, people will light the face so that it's flat on and it's just cleanly lit and very bright. And that's fine if you're matching that with uh, the same kind of background, that everything's bright and there's, uh, you know, 
no shadow in the background. It's just an even flat shot. That's going to look great. But yeah. if you've got, say, a uh, an image of a moody background, so it might be dusk and you've got like a moody sky and then you bring in the flash and you light, light, the, light the, the person that you're lighting nice <laughs> and flat, they're gonna, it looks like um, – it looks like a cardboard cutout. Like yeah, right. I it's see. It's like it's being photoshopped in. So that oh. the light, it's mm-hmm. overlit. It's yeah. overdone, and uh, you know that it's and it's hard uh, to sort of. Uh, work out the the difference and it's a lot of trial and error because what um often looks right in camera once you get it on set once you get it through uh in your on your computer screen you go oh no i've overlit it it's too much so um the trick is to try and uh work out what the natural light source would be if your figure Mm. was actually going to be lit and then really um do a test shot, but then pull back on that. So you just like um, what you think is right. Like I've found that I'm doing half of what I thought, like what I might have done before. I've just halved the light again and, right. and start there. So so maybe start at a, a really low point and build from there, like build it up and mm-hmm. um, and try and get a more natural-looking light and try and find – a, a place in your shot where the light is naturally coming from. So I've got an example in the show mm. notes, Val, where I've got a couple of examples. I've got um, one of the so shots. So what you're that, saying is don't naturally just, don't automatically just go to lighting things flat on. Yeah. Think about, yeah, where a light might be, whether that's a window light or a, or a yeah. street light or a, yeah. or a spotlight or whatever and light from that, there. And light from there. And so that mm. you, you want to give the impression that like if there's a street light above someone's head, that's what's lighting yep. their face. Yeah. That's where you would position the um the flash. Yeah. Or or the or the torch or the continuous light to give the sure. impression of a light. And the way the way to work out how to do that shot, how to light that shot is we've worked with high ISO. We've done the whole episode on crank it up. As yeah. a as a test shot, what I would do is crank up my ISO, right, you know, so if you're working in a really low-like situation, crank it up high so that I – and take a reading for the highlight part of the face and mm. do a test shot. And this is how the light looks naturally and basically what you want to do is replicate that using uh flash and um but at a lower iso so you can get a sense of where the light is coming from and so you know where to position your uh fill light and what sort of light you want to do so if you've got like a, a soft morning light streaming in through a window you want to replicate that light so you wouldn't use a bare flash bulb because that'd give you hard light you want to use uh maybe a soft box and mm. maybe you don't direct the soft box directly at the person you kind of feather it in so it's skimmed so i've just uh recorded a um uh, a tutorial on this for the gold members and I've run through exactly what I do to calculate the lighting and the position of the lighting and uh, but I've got one of the examples here in the show notes of like just showing how the light is positioned in the window to match the actual 
daylight that's coming in, all we're doing is using flash to go up a little bit uh, to give a little bit more light because the daylight itself isn't enough. And, of course, if you want to have a look at these images, then you can check them out in the show notes, which are always at GinaMilitia.com. And the tutorials that Gina's talking about that are going to the gold community, they're fantastic. the gold community is a fantastic community of people who are part of Gina's membership and you get all sorts of fantastic goodies when you are a gold member, including regular tutorials from Gina as well as um, specific uh, light room presets that are complimentary as well as access to Gina via a live monthly mastermind and of course if you uh, are not able to join live it's all recorded uh, so that you can um, uh, listen to it at your leisure or, or view it at your leisure but you can find out more about the gold community at GinaMilitia.com and just click on join the community but yes awesome. uh, back to uh, so back natural to, lighting yeah. So basically um, what I've got in the show notes is an example of the difference between an overlit image and one that's correctly lit. So I've got a dancer um, Mm. who's leaping in the air and uh, the top image is uh, overlit. It's just too bright for the background. It doesn't look natural. It doesn't look natural because it's so flatly and cleanly lit. He's lit up, you know, he's bright and um, and then the – Second image, it's it's underlit. So it, it's underlit to the point that if I took that, just the um, body of that image and took it out of the shot and just had that as a as a shot, I'd want to brighten it up. But mm-hmm. I'm, but when you've got a background and you're lighting in relation to the background, you want to be um, a bit more conservative in, in your lighting and hold back a little bit more. So um, there's a lot you can do if you're working with uh, softbox and speed light. The beauty of a speed light is that you can lower the power all the way down so you've really only got a tiny amount of light that you're dealing with. So if you are working with someone in a low light situation where they might be indoor and all that's above them is a like a safety light that's on the wall or something, right, you yeah. can you can power down your speed light to replicate uh, that, that, that sort of light but then you can light their face a bit better because you can come in and use a softbox and, um, you know, get that t- – position that light nicely so that they're they're well lit but not overlit. The other thing to remember is matching the colour of the light in your background to the light that you're adding. So flash Mm. is uh, daylight, so it's uh, neutral in tone. Now, the mistake a lot of people make when they're, say, shooting against a sunset is that the temperature is going to be a lot warmer and then you've got your person who's lit with a cold light and they stand out even more. So uh, working with gels... Mm. Um, to, to add it to your light so can you, is a can big you way to help. Just give a very quick uh, rundown on what gels are in case there are some people who have not, um, you know, worked with gels before so that they 
have an understanding of that? Yeah, so basically they're just a, uh, a, a like a, a plastic uh, coloured uh, piece that goes over the flash. And so like if I was shooting a sunset, I would use something like a CTO gel, which is colour, temperature, orange. And basically mm. what that does is I place that over the flash and now the flash goes from shooting a neutral color onto my model to a slightly warmer color you don't have to buy like you you can buy like sets of uh gels that come in all different color temperatures or you can use um uh bits of wrapping um paper and cellophane cellophane, things like that Mm -hmm. and lolly wrappers those brown lolly Mm. wrappers that things are done like you can do that as a as a practice as well to to use That's those. That's candy so, for North so Americans. Can, what, what did I say? Lollies. Lollies. Um, Candy. And so, and and just finally, I've got another couple of a few examples in the show notes uh, where, like, just adding life into a, an image where it looks like it was a, a snapshot, but it wasn't. It's about like giving everyone in the shot something to do to create that energy, yeah. and then like adding, like creating a scene and making it look like it just happened. Like it can be as rough as like you don't quite get the full person that's coming into the frame in the shot, or I've got like a a shot for a uh, handbag company that I did a lifestyle shot was their advertising campaign. The model is drinking a latte midway through. She's got the latte and covering her face and then there's a surfer coming into the frame, right? That Mm. was all carefully staged. We had him walk (laughs) across the frame like 20 times. (laughs) And finally, just the difference between what having a figure in the frame can do to uh, adding life in the shot. So I've got Mm. a shot that was done in uh, Italy along the beach and I've got the same shot without anyone in it, which actually feels like quite alone. So it's a great shot um, at the beach where it's rows and rows and rows of deck chairs and stripy umbrellas and they're, they're red and white against this brilliant blue sky and they're on sand, obviously. Uh, and it is a, a, obviously a great exotic location um, and it and that certainly is a nice shot but the um, shot that – but what Jean has done to bring it to life – is just got a little girl who is what like four years old or something three uh, three maybe just walking through the shot and that absolutely brings the shot completely to life mm. Mm. so there you where'd go. you find the kid <laughs> uh, she actually i was like this is like i want to say that i was so good at staging this and I thought of the whole thing but literally I walked up and went oh my god that's the most amazing set I've ever seen I wish I prayed to the location gods that time Val no no the prop the prop gods yeah dear prop gods please send me (laughs) the ideal figure to walk in this frame and this little girl I'm like where are your parents by the way but like I'm not gonna even I don't even want to have a conversation you just and she walked up that path that's and perfect. By herself, I still don't know where her parents were. Not only that, uh, she's I'm, colour coordinated with the deck chairs and the entire shot. She's colour coordinated. About the shot. And so, like, you get several of those in your lifetime, but not a lot. Where they're they're they're, they're gifted to you. Those images. You just have so, to pray to the prop gods or the location the, gods or the weather gods. It seems to work for you. <laughs> it does. <laughs> so, but it just it really does add life to the shot. And there's often been times Ooh. when I found the idea 
ideal like mural on a wall going, please, prop gods, send me someone with an umbrella because this would be, oh, and there, there he is. Thank you. Or send me someone on a bike, not just a crappy bike. I want a vintage bike. There yeah. it is. Thank you. So fantastic. Uh, there you go. So a few few ways to um, create more natural looking portraits, Val. Love it, love it, love it. And of course, one of the ways to create more natural looking portraits is to make sure that you can, as Gina mentioned in this episode, master manual mode and not just rely on auto because auto can kind of, it can just limit your options and give you a shot that is a little bit less flat where you don't, where you're not necessarily able to pick out the hero of the shot compared to if you shot it in manual. So make sure you check out Gina's course, Master the Magic of Manual mode and get off auto forever because I guarantee you if you follow the tips in this course you will get off auto forever and it's just such a great feeling honestly um, to have that confidence that you don't have to shoot in auto and to know what you're doing in manual I I think it's brilliant I absolutely love it so check it out at Gina's website ginamilitia.com slash manual in the meantime Gina until we chat again where do we find you online so I'm at GinaMilitia.com. You can find me at GinaMilitia on Instagram and Twitter and Pinterest and YouTube. And you can also find me in the mm-hmm. Facebook group. So you want to be a photographer, Facebook community. Yes. So you want to be a photographer podcast community is what All you right. search for in Facebook. And, uh, yeah, it's an awesome group of people uh, who all love photography and we're in oh there as God, well. Oh, my God, yes. They're amazing and they're fun. Funny. Yeah, I they're know. funny. They're so they funny. Are. And they PM me. They PM me um, uh, uh, like punctuation fails and Bon Jovi messages <laughs> and <laughs> pictures of cats and things like that. So I love you guys. You're awesome. Uh, you can find me at Val- uh, on Twitter and Instagram at Valerie Koo. That's K-H-O-O. And feel free to connect with me on Facebook, as I have mentioned. Uh, and so, yeah, that brings us to the end of this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening and we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit ginamilitia.com.